I was struggling to get the lid back on the bottle. It, it was cross-threaded and I, I, I didn't understand what was happening. And it seems I just put the bottle back on the top shelf of the fridge. I laid it down. The water was pouring out of it. I left the fridge door open. I was on the stairs and I realised I was falling. In a split second, I just didn't understand why I was falling. But my hands stayed at my side. They didn't go out in front of me to protect myself like that you, you, know, you normally would. And the top of my head hit the leading edge of one of the stairs in front of me and knocked me out. I don't know whether I was out for seconds or minutes. It was the most sickening but I, I, I shudder when I think about it now. I just staggered into the lounge and my partner Helen was horrified. She said, you've had a stroke. My face was drooping on the left side and as if to prove her right, I took a, a mouthful of the, the water and it poured, poured out of my mouth. And she phoned 999. It's all a bit of a blur. The next one of my networking meetings came around again and I sat down in my, uh, my desk in my office at home and, and launched the meeting and suddenly I got this burning sensation in my left arm. It started in my shoulder, it ran down my arm and settled in my left hand. And it felt like my hand was on fire, it was absolutely agonising. This went on for about 10 seconds or so. Finally it stopped and I thought, oh, I've had another stroke, haven't I? Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Simon Crow from Colchester. Simon suffered three strokes at the age of 55. I run um, a small one-man band business doing uh, marketing, web design, social media management. And my pastimes are golf. I enjoy traveling and I was a borough councillor at the time and I'm a, a county councillor now. It was July the 7th, 2020. We'd been out of lockdown for three days and looking forward to getting some semblance of normal life back. And it was the evening, I'm, I think it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock. I went downstairs to the kitchen to get myself uh, some sparkling water and that's when the stroke seemed to start. I was struggling to get the lid back on the bottle. It, it was cross-threaded and I, I, I didn't understand what was happening and it seems I just put the bottle back on the top shelf of the fridge, I laid it down, the water was pouring out of it, I left the fridge door open. I don't recall anything after that until I was on the stairs and I realised I was falling. In a split second, I just didn't understand why I was falling. But my hands stayed at my side. They didn't go out in front of me to protect myself like that you, you, know, you normally would. And the top of my head hit the leading edge of one of the stairs in front of me and knocked me out. I don't know whether I was out for seconds or minutes. It was the most sickening but I, 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 I shudder when I think about it now. I, at some point, picked myself up 
miraculously, I'd, I'd hardly spilled any of the water. And I just staggered into the lounge, and my partner, Helen, was horrified. She said, you've had a stroke. My face was drooping on the left side, and as if to prove her right, I took a, a mouthful of the, the water and it poured, poured out of my mouth. And she phoned 999. It's all a bit of a blur the next few minutes, but the paramedics seem to be in the house fairly quickly. Next thing I know, I'm sat on the sofa, I'm being asked questions. I was asked if I knew where I was. I did. I was asked if I knew what day of the week it was. I didn't. And I think I had my shirt off. They were giving me an ECG and all sorts of other tests. They then said they'd like to take me to hospital. And as far as I was concerned, I'd just bang my head. I, I, I have a habit of slipping on the stairs. And I thought, well, this is the, the one time too many. I've actually had a crack on the head. And I, I didn't want to go to hospital. And I was, I was confused and agitated, which is quite common for people who suffered a head injury. The paramedics were absolutely brilliant at handling me. So I was stubbornly refusing to go with them. And then one of them was squatting on the floor next to me and he held up a, a pin. And he said, mate, I've just stuck this in your leg three times. You haven't felt it. And I thought, oh, okay. Right, well, something is up here then. So I went with them to hospital under blue lights. I was very quickly seen. I was given a, a CT scan. Um, returned back to A&E and given the news that it was clear and I hadn't had a stroke. I just, you know, had a head injury, so um, I, I went home and went to bed. Woke up late the next morning. I felt like absolute death. I don't think I've ever felt so ill in all my life. I run a, a business networking group that had started meeting online during COVID. And I had to launch that at, at lunchtime on, on Zoom. So I just launched the meeting and people started coming into it. And I was struggling to speak. I just felt vacant. If I wanted to say something, I, I couldn't bring the, the words out of my mind. And uh, I managed to sort of muddle through the meeting for two hours or so gratefully shut my computer down went and sat on the sofa and one after the other two people from the meeting um who unbeknownst to each other had been concerned about me phoned me and they both said, basically said the same thing there's something seriously wrong with you you need to get help as quickly as you can we're really you know, really really worried and uh so back to the hospital uh, i went I went to A&E and I explained as best I could that I'd been there last night and they had said I hadn't had a stroke. I was now absolutely convinced I had had one because I was having these speech problems. And they examined me again and said I had post-concussion syndrome and sent me home. So exactly two weeks to the day later, the next one of my networking meetings came around again. And I sat down in my uh, my desk in my office at home and, and launched the meeting. And suddenly I got this burning sensation in my left arm. It started in my shoulder, it ran down my arm and settled in my left hand. And it felt like my hand was on fire. It was absolutely agonizing. This went on for about 10 seconds or so. 
finally it stopped and I thought I've had another stroke haven't I so someone appeared in the meeting and I said I'm gonna have to put you in charge of this meeting I'm not well I've got to go to the hospital back to the hospital for a third visit and they gave me another CT scan and they, they told me that one was clear and I hadn't had a stroke and sent me home again that was the, the first two strokes the third one I only found out about recently. My stroke consultant had wanted me to have an MRI to sort of see what was going on at the moment. And I had that, I think it was uh, late last year. And that showed I had a, a third stroke in the, the same time frame, but after I'd eventually been diagnosed. It was several months before Simon was properly diagnosed. It was in October. So we're now fast forwarding to October. I had some problems with my leg, woke up in the morning, I, I couldn't put my foot around, I was hopping around the house, and my grandfather had died of a DVT, deep vein thrombosis, so I was aware of them, and I thought, I'd better get to the doctors. So I phoned the doctors, and spoke to him on the phone, he said, can you get up here as fast as you can? So we shot up to the doctors, he examined me, he phoned the hospital and said, I've got a patient from him with DVT. And the consequence of that was I ended up on blood thinners. But I just thought, well, I, the, I've got a blood clotting problem here. I've definitely had strokes. I've now had a DVT. So I pushed my GP and I said, look, I've now had a DVT. I've had strokes. I know I've had strokes. I, you know, I want to see a consultant. So I, I pushed him and eventually had a phone consult, a phone appointment with a consultant. He didn't like what he heard and referred me to get an MRI scan, which I did. And then I went to see him and a couple of weeks later, and he said, yes, you've had two strokes. And that was when things swung into action. Suddenly, I got the, the help and medications, etc., that I should have had some months before. Coming up, Simon talks about being misdiagnosed. I was really upset when I saw that they thought I may have been drunk because uh, I, I, I was really ill for months. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I didn't get any of the immediate aftercare that I should have got. And experiencing fatigue. I try and get as much sleep as I can, but if I haven't managed to, I can get absolutely exhausted to the point where it's almost hard to put one foot in front of the other. So that, that's, that's an issue. If I've got anything I need to do in the evening, I'll, I'll try and have a nap in the afternoon to make sure I've got the strength. Let's hear from Simon about how he was finally able to begin recovery. It was January of the following year, 21, when I finally got the diagnosis. So they kept me on the blood thinners that I'd been given after the DVT. I saw various specialists. I had um, tests on my heart. I'd developed issues with tingling sensation in my um, my left arm and leg, and I had a, quite a problem with my left hand. Um, I, it's improved quite a lot, but I can't tell the difference between um, hot and cold. So if I put my left hand under a, a really cold running tap, it feels hot. If I put my hand round a warm mug of tea, it feels scalding hot. If I put it on something that is scalding hot, I don't feel anything for several seconds. So I've got medication for that. And I just, I mean, again, I've tried to continue, you know, keeping myself active, getting, you know, going for walks, getting my steps, 
my left arm I, I discovered one night when I was cooking I, I was trying to carry a wok across the kitchen and nearly dropped it and I, I was quite horrified to realize that um, how weak I was so I'm having physiotherapy for that and I did make a complaint to the the local health authority because I wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on. So while I was waiting for that, they um, they did an investigation and then called me in for a meeting. So whilst I was waiting for the complaint meeting, I asked my doctor to get me the medical records from my visits to the hospital. And uh, on the discharge sheet, my first visit when I'd suffered the first stroke and had the head injury, I'd truthfully told the uh, paramedics when they asked asked me questions, they said, have you been drinking? I said, I had two glasses of wine earlier this evening. And their diagnosis was intoxicated, question mark. Wasn't stroke, question mark. They thought I was drunk. So I wasn't very happy about that. And that did form a big part of the conversation in the meeting. Um, They did say they hadn't ruled out um, had a stroke and I said well they were quite implicit I hadn't they, they told me I had not had a stroke on all three visits so the upshot of the meeting was they wrote to me they apologized for failings that they hadn't taken a, a joined up approach to my my three visits and you know the fact that I presented three times saying I've had a stroke should have rung alarm bells and those visits shouldn't have been treated in isolation. There was a, an apology from the doctor from the initial visit, uh, apologising for any degree of bias, which may have affected his clinical decision-making. I was really upset when I saw that they thought I may have been drunk, because uh, I, I, I was really ill for months. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I didn't get any of the immediate aftercare that I should have got. The story's further complicated, Whilst I was waiting to see the stroke consultant after my GP, I decided to go and see a, a neurologist privately and get a, a, an opinion from a private neurologist. So I paid to see one at a, at a hospital, and he said that he would recommend that I got an MRI so we could check out, check everything out. So I paid for a private MRI. I got his report back some weeks later, and he said it was clear. There was no no mention of, of strokes. And when I eventually spoke to the NHS neurologist, he asked if he could see that, that MRI. So I obtained it from the hospital and took it along to my appointment with me. And he looked at it and he, he said, well, I don't know why he said you hadn't had a stroke, because there's two strokes clearly there. And strokes still impact Simon's life. My left side issues are, are slowly improving. The thing that I wasn't prepared for was the fatigue. I try and get as much sleep as I can, but if I haven't managed to, I can get absolutely exhausted to the point where it's almost hard to put one foot in front of the other. So that that's that's an issue. If I've got anything I need to do in the evening, I'll I'll try and have a nap in the afternoon to make sure I've got the strength. My business is back up and running. I have my my council work, which I I enjoy when I'm tired um i do sometimes have trouble speaking i've got speech therapy actually this wednesday to try and get that started the important message that i would like to get out there is that it's your body and if you know there's something wrong with it don't give up if people are telling you you're fine and you know you're not do what i did and and, and don't give up 
And I would give the same message to anybody who is diagnosed with a stroke. Don't give up. That's not the end of the world. Um, you know, you will make progress. Maybe life is a little bit different after, but it, it will it will go on. And just keep pushing yourself. Push your limits as much as you can. Families of stroke survivors, as a person, it's difficult when something so enormous happens to you. And I think we all, until we get hit by an illness, we all think we're going to live forever. And then suddenly something like this has happened. And, oh, maybe I'm not then. And it's a difficult process. You have to, because it, it's coming to acceptance that, yes, you know, I am vulnerable. My life has changed. And that's when stroke survivors do need, do need support and understanding of you know, what they're going through in, in their head. Simon's stroke was repeatedly misdiagnosed, which delayed his access to proper treatment. However, he's now getting the support he needs and is back running his business and working with his local council. Thanks very much for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do recommend it to anybody you think it might help, either a patient or a family member. And if you can rate and comment on the episodes you hear, that will also help us spread the word. And finally, if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.